Welcome one and all to episode 23 of Have You Seen? The next voice you hear will belong to Tom Webb. Hi. Uh, and mine is Kieran Lafour. I don't know why he's so squeaky today. <laughs> I don't know either. I didn't start, intend to Start the show with an octave challenge. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of movies to get through. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start by talking about our little trip we took to the cinema. Yes. The other night. Uh, we went and saw The Raid, mm-hmm. uh, which for those unaware is an Indonesian action movie directed by a Welshman. Yeah, it's kind of a. I, I still can't. I'm still not entirely sure how that happened. No, but no, me neither. Really. It, it did. It has. Yeah, uh, and the result's pretty good. Yeah, very good. Um, the basic idea is a uh, a SWAT team are sent into a, a tower block that belongs to the biggest crime lord in Jakarta. He's rented out all the rooms to uh, various criminals, and the the SWAT team are going in there to kind of clear clean everybody out. out, arrest them. Yeah, clear um, it up and. Uh, they are spotted, an alarm is sounded, and the call goes out that anybody who uh, assists in bumping off this SWAT team will get to stay there rent-free for life. Uh, and all hell breaks loose, I think is the only way Absolutely. to describe it. Yeah. yeah it's, what I felt thought was quite interesting was that, um, you know, this is a, a martial arts action movie, and you watch the trailer and, you know, you wince and you squirm as you see these guys doing these crazy fight sequences. And I, I and I kind of knew the basic plot, you know. Team goes in, they've got to get out. I think I would have been quite happy if that had been the entire premise of the movie, and all it was was just lots of fights. Yeah, I was it, actually um, really surprised by how much plot there was. Yeah, um, and it's it, not a bad thing at all. No, 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 not at all. It um, it takes a while to start, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. You get yeah. a brief flurry of um, the main guy's morning training in the morning. Yeah. So you're told from the get go. This guy can handle himself. Absolutely, yeah. But then there's no actual real action for getting on for 40 minutes, I'd say. Really that long? Yeah. Well, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it, I, there were there were a lot of kind of... Um, th- there was a, just a lot more depth of plot to it than I was expecting. Yeah. Which I thought was really good that, mm. you know, people had actually bothered to kind of, you know, put that much effort into it, really. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the, the main reason for seeing it, though, is the fight sequences. Because yeah. they're, they're just absolutely spectacular. Some of the best I think I've seen for a long time. A very long time, yeah. Um, it's like seeing... It's like if someone went, I know what would be a brilliant idea for a film. Let's get hard-boiled and on back and do them at the same time. Because yeah. yeah. that's pretty much what this yeah. is. And it's yeah. like seeing those films again for the first time. You know, actually, remember yeah. the first time you saw Jackie Chan, the first time you saw him back, the first time you saw hard-boiled. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of... Yeah, definitely. Eye-opening, refreshing experience. Yeah, because I think people are getting so used to seeing martial arts fights in pretty much most movies now that it's becoming... Kind really of started kind of, with The Matrix, didn't yeah, it? Really, and now, yeah, and now it's kind of the standard, whereas this kind of, all you know... I don't know, it doesn't seem to do anything particularly new, but it just does it in a very fresh way. Yeah. If that makes sense. It might just be. But that's that, not saying that the choreography isn't inventive. No, not yeah, no, it's very inventive, mm. and I guess it's probably because uh, it's it's the I can't remember what it's specifically called, but it's the the sort of Indonesian martial uh, art pencaxilat, I do believe. Yeah, so that's something that you don't see so much. No. Um. So maybe it's the, the use of that that makes yeah, it. Yeah, maybe kind it of, is. You know, I don't know how much in reality the techniques are based. Right, okay. Because you have to flower everything up for, yeah, for, do, yeah. for cinema. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look pretty... Well, I don't know, it looked pretty kind of brutal and kind of... Yeah. Effective. Yes. You know, like... And efficient. Lot, exactly, yeah. A lot of martial arts movies, stuff. you'll have the poses and the, 
you know, certain moves. Yeah, you kind of think really actually that's not, that's, that's not a very kind of effective movement. Yeah. And then then you you see this, and it's all about economy of movement. Yeah. And and like every strike is at a, a very specific place. Yeah, that's something I did like was. Um, some reviewers have talked about it being kind of gratuitous violence, mm. but it feels like a fight for survival. Yeah. Yeah. The, the police officers, they may, they may, hmm, gratuitous isn't the word. The bad guys go over the top because they're bad. Yeah, exactly. The and police officers go over the top because they have to. Because they're people surviving in a situation. Yeah. yeah. If you've, survived a five minute fight with someone knocked them down got your guns to their head are you going to shoot them once or are you going to put three in just to make sure they don't get up again yeah, yeah. and that's what i felt especially there's a sequence where um they fight they get trapped in uh one apartment yeah smash their way through the floor into the one below that's right uh and then as one guy drops through like five people jump on him yeah and then that whole ensuing battle that really feels like a fight for survival yeah absolutely. the other thing i likened it to when we came out was uh, it's like a zombie movie in it some is places. yeah yeah there are scenes like that so many bad swarmed. guys yeah. yeah well there's that one scene is there's, there's a particular scene where um our lead character has an injured colleague mm. and whilst he's trying to carry him to safety through a corridor he fights 18 people yes in one kind of just massive prolonged... They just keep coming and coming There's and coming. There's one really and, good long take in that as well, yeah. where he fights down the corridor, around the corner, carries <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also, there's also um, there's the brilliantly tense scene later on where he and the injured colleague are hiding. Oh, God, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, they, they find a... Um, what should we call him? A sympathetic party Yeah. within the... Uh, like the one good guy who's in this yeah. apartment block. Um, and... He's got a he's got a hidey hole in his wall, and they hide mm. in there. And the the tension in that scene where the bad guys, where come, the bad in guys come in and start looking for them, yeah. and tearing everything apart, looking for them. Yeah, now that's a great scene. That that didn't there were that lot, contains one of the ooh moments. It does, of which there are many. A that lot. noise, you will, yeah. if you go and see this, at which you really should, you will hear that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I don't think I've I've never heard an audience have so many uncontrolled. Uh, kind of noises yeah like people cannot help but reacting mm. and it sounds like it's almost like a um, some kind of weird extra sound mix because yeah. people are making the noises as if they've been hit yeah. you get lots of ooh and oh I feel it should be an extra like audio that. track on the DVD exactly yeah, yeah the fights all kind of build up to like an uh, an exclamation mark I guess so mm. there'll be a long sequence mm. of stuff that builds up to one big bam and then it's over yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and there was there's a uh, one in particular of those. If I just say to you the door, oh, you'll know God, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and that happened. Everybody went, oh, <laughs> and then the voice just went in the cinema. I went, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This comes highly recommended, especially if you are a fan of martial arts action. If you become jaded with the kind of uh, action movies that Hollywood yeah. and even the East has been putting out recently, I yeah. can't remember the last time I watched a new Hong Kong action movie and no. got excited about it. No, me either. I am looking forward to uh, Chinese Zodiac, as we talked about last week, the next Jackie Chan film. Yes, yeah, because that's part of the Armor of God. Yeah, Uber. Yes, um, but this is yeah, this is the most exciting action movie to come out since Ong Bak, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I wasn't massively overfussed by Hong Bak as well. Actually. This has the story that that doesn't. That has lots That's of ex- true. that has yeah. some exciting action scenes, like the um, the alleyway chase. Yeah, in Hong Bak is really good. All I can really remember is Tony Jaa running and then jumping through something impossibly small. Yes. It's and a, that's it's a, it's a small film. ring of barbed wire. I saw I yeah. saw that scene over and over again because I had to cut uh, promotional stuff that right. came out yeah. in the UK, um, yeah. and I saw all the B-roll, the behind-the-scenes shots of that as well. Yeah, yeah he did that. Yeah. It is, and, and like you've seen the B-roll, they're making it smaller and smaller and smaller yeah. until they find one he can't get through, and then go back out to one he can <laughs> yeah, get through. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think everybody in it is uh, are people to watch. Yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, the, the lead guy is just uh, an amazing martial artist and uh, a reasonably charismatic leading man as well. I think, yeah, actually, yeah. That I think that was what I was also surprised at mm. was that the quality of the acting was good. Mm. Particularly, there's one kind of henchman mm. um, that becomes kind of like a running enemy to beat, as it were. Mad and dog. It, yeah, and he... Tiny, vicious little man. But he's great. The guy playing him is brilliant. There's yeah. so much character in him. Yeah, and one of, my, one of yeah. my friends who went with us said uh, it was worth the price of admissions for Mad Dog alone. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It, it really was great. I, I think if you're just a fan of any kind of action... Hmm. Um, and we, you know, we we've got a colleague who's a, who's a massive horror fan, but not mm. really a massive fan of action. Mm. And she absolutely loved it. Mm. Um, and although I wouldn't say it's actually that gory, there's a lot of implication, and it's it, it treads a very fine line mm. between you thinking you're seeing something very gory and it actually being quite gory. Like you mm. can you don't turn away at any point at the screen. You don't see lots of gushing blood. You see a no. lot of stabbing and yeah things but lots it, of people get stabbed in yeah. this film so it, it, it i think it does that really really well mm. um and today i lent her um eastern condors the samo hung oh movie good, yes. and i also lent it kind her, of has a lot of a lot of lot in common with that i think that yeah. uh, dragons forever that kind of yeah. hard samo hung choreography yeah. so with, I lent, one lent of the things that. i said when camera it's like if uh samo hung got hold of tony jar fresh off on yeah. back yeah, um, so I, lent her, I also lent her uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind because she's a horror nut and that inspired uh, yeah, Evil Dead. Yeah, that's a so, ridiculous film. Yeah, so she'll yeah. put it on that. Um, the one black mark I'd say against it is the subtitles, which right. really could have done with proofreading. Yeah. They are just uh, a punctua- punctuation and grammatical nightmare, much yeah. like that sentence. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, 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 Gareth, the director, if you're listening, if you happen to download this podcast uh, and there's time to slip them in before the DVD, I will proofread those subtitles for free and retype them for the DVD. <laughs> That's my invitation. HYSpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Should we get on with the show proper? Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's, That's 10 done. minutes of talk about yeah. small Indonesian men kicking the hell out of each other. Okay. Why don't we segue from that because it will perfectly segue right into a Steve Martin romantic comedy. It will. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I should recap, really. Yes. Okay. Uh, Steve Martin plays Charlie C.D. Bales. He's the fire, uh, fire chief of a small town in America. Uh, he's a witty man. He's intelligent. Everybody in town loves him. He's everybody's best mate. Mm. But he's got a massive, massive nose. Yeah. And by massive, we mean like six inches. Yeah. Um, Daryl Hannah comes to town. She's staying uh, for the summer. She is uh, a very attractive uh, astronomy student uh, who uh, strikes up a friendship with CD. Uh, Also into this uh, comes uh, a man called Chris McConnell, played by Rick Rossovich, who apparently is in Top Gun. Did we do any more research on him? Oh, I saw what his name was and I've forgotten it. 
I can't remember. His name's Rick Rosovich. No, no, I mean oh, the character, the character okay, name. He was one of the pilots because it was a call sign. Oh, fine. So I think he's in a plane at some okay, point. Okay, so he could be someone's wingman anytime. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, he is a, a professional fireman who comes to town. The 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 gang of misfits that CD is in charge of are all volunteers. Yeah. Uh, apart from CD himself, uh, and Chris is a professional fireman who moves into town. Uh, he likes Roxanne, but he gets very sick and nervous to the point of throwing up physically whenever he sees her. Uh, he's handsome, but a bit dumb mm-hmm. uh, and tries to would like to employ CD's wits to help him woo Roxanne. Yeah. And meanwhile, from the other side, Roxanne would like CD to speak to Chris because she quite likes him. Yeah. Unfortunately for the pair of them, CD also really likes Roxanne. Yeah. Uh, it's based on Serrano de Bergerac. Uh, and was uh, written by Steve Martin, this yeah. version. Mm-hmm. So that's enough um, bumbling and rambling from me. Okay. It's uh, the Tom Webb opinion section. Go. Okay. Um, I'll start by saying I often find Steve Martin a bit over the top. Yes, so do I. Uh, Even in this film, to be honest, in a, yeah, a couple of places. And, so I'm, I'm always a bit wary about Steve Martin movies. Mm. Um, and I'm also usually quite wary about romantic comedies because yes. I'm not that much of a fan. There's a few that I like, but not many. Um, but I really enjoyed this. It's a fab little film, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was good. It. it um, like you said last week. I, I mean, I, I wrote down that I really liked some of the silly physical comedy, mm. but stuff like his his uh, completely unnecessary gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Why yeah. is he getting an Olympic level gymnast? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I like the fact that you had the ridiculous gymnastics sequence followed by a conversation about like quarks and mesons and bosons and quantum yeah. mechanics and that kind of stuff. And it was he kind covers of, all bases. Yeah, no, it was it, it was one of those. Um, I, I think I saw somewhere that Steve Martin said it was the first time that um, he felt that people respected him in a film role properly. As opposed to just thinking, well, he's making stupid comedy films because he can't do stand up anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, I think he almost set out trying to prove something with the script and the mm. performance and stuff. And I think the script is really, really good. And mm. I think it shows off the best aspects of Steve Martin and some of the wordplay that he that he creates mm. is really, really good. And I think that's the side of him that you don't see so much, or at least you didn't then. No, not really. Um, I think you do a little bit now because he's on Twitter. As yes, um, I was just going to say. Actually, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, and he's and a, uh, he, and obviously that's that's a perfect forum for kind of wordplay and yes. and puns and things like that. Um, so I have like like last you last week. I haven't got many notes because I was just watching mm. and enjoying that's the good. film. That's good. Um, and it, I, the first one I got was even when the comedy goes extreme, there are still moments of really great subtlety. Yeah. So one of the, I think I wrote that when in during the opening sword fight as mm. it is, um, and there's just a bit where um, he's kind of facing off against those guys and they're mm. on a bit of a hill, and they're kind of standing there fairly normally, but he's kind of leaning into the hill in a really kind of weird way, <laughs> and he's just it's just the, his angle that he's standing mm. at in the wide shot. It's just is it's a very subtle thing, but it's mm. it's it's really funny. Mm. Um, and one of the guys he fights against is uh, another Saturday Night Liver okay. called, uh, I think it's Kevin Nealon, his name. Uh, and he's one of the funniest Saturday Night Livers. I think uh, I've seen a, sketches. To be honest, him. that's a pretty shallow pool. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, well, in that era when you had 
Mm. You had people like you know Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy and John. That's the life I find. Always it spits out people who become big names and big stars, but aren't necessarily that funny. Yeah, I don't know. That's the brand of comedy that. Yeah, I I think basically with that show, I think the problem is that because it's live, the sketches all run too long. Yeah, and that that's why it's a bit Mm. you know. But he was one of the ones that was always really really funny, but never seemed to have the career that. His contemporaries like had. His yeah. contemporaries had, which mm. was always a shame, I thought. Um, there is, you talk about, you talked about Steve Martin being a kind of over the top. There was one yeah. kind of over the top act that really did make me laugh. Is where it's a single shot and he's walk, walking down the street and uh, takes a newspaper out of a vending machine, yeah. <laughs> looks at the headline, goes, oh, God, ah, no, Had this big, has this big freak out, runs back, puts more money in, opens it up, throws the paper back in, slams it shut, and runs <laughs> off. off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that just made, I thought, He's got the paper and he's freaking out like, oh god, this is a stupid idea. Yeah. And then it finishes off with that gag, it's and it just a, yeah. made me roar with laughter. <laughs> yeah. um, my third note was narrow heads. What narrow heads? Because what Rick heads Rick Rossovich and um, uh, what's her name? Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah have really got narrow heads. Are you sure you didn't have your TV on? No, the no, no. Okay. They just had. It was like it was like a couple of horses talking to each other. <laughs> I was just like, and it was just really odd. They should remake it with Sarah Jessica Parker and Nicholas Cage. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I thought that in the opening sequence, where you see Steve Martin kind of on his way to Mm. the bar or wherever he's Mm. off to, he's kind of walking around, and you don't see the nose, Mm. but you see his face. Yeah. And they hide it brilliantly. Yeah. One of my favourite gags in that was also when he's about to go down the steps, he's has to slide down the banister, jumps on the banister, doesn't go anywhere, (laughs) then just jumps (laughs) off again. (laughs) (laughs) But but so, you know, I I like the fact you see his face and yet the reveal of the nose, which is a big moment a few minutes later, Mm. still has that impact. And you think, how did I not see that beforehand? And it's just very cleverly framed. Um, my next note is uh, Miami Vice Fred Willard is freaking me out because <laughs> with the girls in the car, or well, just because the... he seems quite young and he's wearing pastel shade suits rolled with <laughs> yeah. his sleeves rolled up and a t-shirt underneath, and it ju- it really just looks like Fred Willard doing a Miami Vice. It does, look, yeah. It looks like he's going to a Halloween party as Don Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of think of Fred Willard as as a, always kind of a late middle-aged man. Yeah. Which he probably was even then. Yeah. But he just doesn't look it at mm. all. So that that amused me greatly. Mm. Um, I was quite surprised to see that I had a funny film with a Wayans brother in it. Oh, yeah. He's the... He's one of the firemen. Yeah. I didn't know... It was, I didn't know... I was He's like, one of only two it. black people in <laughs> town. Yeah, absolutely. The other one being the guy who owns the bookshop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you highlighted it last week, but the insult scene is just... It's like how to how to take a theme and write every conceivable play on words and joke yeah. around it. And where he's know, challenged, yeah. he bumps into the guy who calls him big nose, and he's yeah. like, "Oh come on, can't you do any better than that? Throw yeah. this dart and whatever number you hit, yeah, I'll come up with that many." Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to kind of watch that creation because you you kind of watching him do it, and you mm. you just think, "How can you spin this in yet another format?" Mm. And I like the fact that he kind of almost pointedly tells you what type of comedy it is beforehand. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, it's this, it's this, you know, we'll try this, we'll do this, yeah. we'll do that. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. But just, I mean, that's all of my notes pretty much. Overall, mm. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. And, the yeah. other scene I like is directly after the balcony scene right. where he falls out of the tree in front of the old ladies and convinces them he's <laughs> yeah. been dropped by sex-starve aliens <laughs> yeah. and does an impersonation of one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to come out on the sound. That's, <laughs> that's going to blow somebody's speakers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was good. Like I say, it's rare to find a romantic comedy that I can't I It just makes you with. feel nice at the end, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's mm. not... It's not overly sentimental, really. No. And it's not that kind of really sickly sweet. And, mm. you know, it has all the beats of a romantic comedy. A bit like I Love You, Man. has mm. all the right beats and movements and forgetting Sarah Marshall as well, which mm. you haven't seen. Um, it kind of follows that same structure, but it just does it in a way that doesn't make you feel, oh, right, this is the bit where they're going to do this. This mm. is the bit where they're going to do that. You know, it's, it just felt fresh, really. And considering it is a... 1985 film or wherever it was. That's 87, I do believe. 87, that's, you know, it's a pretty good game. Well, I don't have much customer feedback on this, really. Right. Um, it reviews very well mm. uh, on Amazon, which is my usual source for these things. Well, that's mm. given that away, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the only line I have is, <laughs> it's from a five-star review that says, watch this film if only to see Steve, if only to see Steve Martin fall out of a tree and do an impression of a sex-starve alien. <laughs> Perfect. From... Big noses yeah. to big knives. Yes. Psycho. Absolutely. Which is what you pitched me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me go through my book of amazement while you uh, tell people what it's all about. Well, um, this, the kind of spoiler-free or plot-free synopsis I came up with last week. Go on. Are we going to do spoilers in this? I think we should. This is a 52-year-old film. I think we should. I think everybody knows... Well, I, I think what we should say now is if you haven't seen Psycho... Fast forward by about 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I would say stop and watch it before you listen to this section. Or if you don't have a copy, fast forward by 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so basically, a woman goes on the run uh, and finds herself at a motel. While she's there, her lover, her sister and a detective try to track her down. Um I left out of that the fact that the reason she's on the run is because she stole money from her boss. Uh, I also left out of that that whilst at the motel, she gets murdered. Um, And it turns into an entirely different film. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what did you think about it? It's very hard to evaluate this 50 years on. Yeah. Knowing all of the major movements and plot points yeah that was what i was a bit worried about but not having seen it because i knew she'd stolen money yeah i knew she was going to get killed yeah uh and i knew that there was no mrs bates right yeah already and it was mostly just seeing about how it's all put together yeah um and it is all put together very well it's justifiably a classic it's a very good film i don't know how often i go back and watch it right um you were talking about uh, the structure. Yes. Um, what did I write? I saw, I'm sure I wrote something about the structure. I don't have many notes, see? They're all single lines. I've got okay. about a dozen single lines on here. Well, that's good. Um, it's a long setup. And this is adapted from a book, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And interestingly, the uh, the book was kind of like a, it was like a pop fiction novel. Mm. It was it was like really small. As it came out, Hitchcock bought the rights to it and then bought up as many copies of the book as possible so people wouldn't know the ending. Yes. So he actually went out of his way to keep it under wraps and no one would know what was coming. Mm. And a lot of the stuff with uh, uh, Janet Lee, yeah, her character at the beginning, is mm. not in the book. Right. That mostly starts 
the book starts later on in the film. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of getting backstory that's not in the book for okay. half an hour beforehand. Right. And I think it would have been an intriguing mystery. It could have been a... I don't, it's really hard to talk about it because I think it could have you could have made a good film without it turning into a psycho slasher film. Yeah. And if anything, it's the the title gives it away because if you see this cold without knowing the title, it's just a <laughs> normal. True. Like for example, I know someone who uh so this reminded it's going to sound terrible. This reminded me of From Dusk Till Dawn. Right, yeah, yeah. Where that just becomes something completely different halfway, halfway through. through. Yeah. yeah. And I know someone who watched it and had no idea about the vampire element. Yeah. And was really shocked when the teeth started coming yeah. out. Well, see, for me, when I, because I avoided this film and mm-hmm. all I knew was the title. Mm-hmm. And I first watched it in a uh, film studies class. And um, I, I, I mean, I obviously knew there was a shower scene. Mm. And someone got murdered, but that that was kind of all I really knew. Um, and I was amazed when that happened so early in the film. Yeah, well, no, not early. That well, happens bang on 45 minutes. Yeah, halfway I've through. I've actually written that shower scene, bang on 45 minutes, and then, now what? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was like. Because, well, hang on, isn't that the climax of the movie? Yeah. But that's what I like about it is because... And that your your protagonist is now dead. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a very... It's an odd... It's an odd construction, and yes, I can see why. I can see Structurally, why. it's a bit wonky, I've written here. Right, I think it works really well, because mm. it's kind of like, well, that that that's the, the surprise element of it, if you like. Yeah. You know, it, it's playing with, the, playing with not only the structure, but also, you know, lots of you other things. You have to also think of what film and cinema was going through at the time, because this is well, still exactly. in the middle of the television revolution. Yeah. And yeah. trying to think of ways to get people into the cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this was well, nineteen sixty. It was released, wasn't it? So yeah. Um, so yeah, TV had only been around like seven years by then, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, mass television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I don't know. I, I I I absolutely love it. I think it's great. I think um, even even when you know what the outcomes are, it's still entertaining to watch. Mm. I noticed after the shower scene, there's no dialogue for nearly 10 minutes. No. As we see every detail of Bates cleaning yeah. that room. Yeah. Like almost forensically. Yeah. Um, I think Dexter owes a lot to <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Norman actually. Bates. Yeah. And I'm kind of, as an aside, a little freaked out by how much Andrew Garfield now looks like. Um, yes, actually. Looks well, like I Anthony Perkins. About that. Yeah. Who's a marvelously creepy man. Oh, Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Well, up until this point, he had only ever played romantic leads. Yeah. So he was like, I, I was saying, I was saying to my wife, if you were going to remake this now to have the same shock value, you'd have to cast someone like Zac Efron. Yes, you would. Yeah, so, you would. And it, it, I mean, and that's what it would be. I imagine going to or see maybe him, someone it, even blander than that. Well, no, but I mean, someone who does those romantic leads yeah. and you know hasn't done any kind of action or any horror mm. or anything like that. And imagine, like, you know, you're you're a teen fan of like this guy, and you go to see his latest yeah. film, and he turns out to be what he is. Weird. Yeah, uh, I think um, is it Arbogast, the yes big lad. His murder, I think, is better than the the shower scene. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd really enjoyed that scene with him coming up the stairs. Yeah. It might just be the stylistic tricks they use. Yeah. Where he comes up the stairs and the, there's that great overhead shot where yeah. you can see the, the corner in yeah. the stairs. Yeah. And uh, air quotes, M- Mrs. Bates comes out of, just out of the room. Yeah, just to the shoots right, out Shoots across, yeah. And yeah. then there's that bizarre 
shot of him sort of falling down the stairs. Where yeah, he's he obviously stumbled down them. Yeah, kind of sat on something. Yeah, he was on. Like it's that. a weird technique, but it kind of works. Yeah, I think it's like it's, it, it. It almost uses a very similar thing to the uh, contra zoom used in Vertigo yeah. to to make the mm. foreground and background kind of yeah, yeah. elongate and compress. Mm. There's another. Um, there's another scene later on. I think it must be when um, when Janet Lee comes into the house and she's looking for looking for Mrs. Bates. Um, no, it's, and they um, do a crane shot. Not Janet Lee, is it not? No, Vera. Vera no, Miles. oh yeah, 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 yeah. The other Jan one. Lee's dead by that point. Yeah, 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 yeah Vera Miles. That's it. There we go. Yeah. Um, and they do a crane shot. Yeah, up the stairs. That goes up the stairs and ends up in the same position yeah. for that murder. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, that was really that. good. Yeah, and that to was... kind of keep you on your keep you on your toes that it might happen again. Absolutely. Because yeah. at that point, it hasn't been revealed that. Yeah. Norman, I only said Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> are, the, are, are the same person. No. Um, the climax I thought was a touch anticlimactic. There's the reveal. There's the double reveal of she's dead and he's wearing her clothes. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Hero McHeroson runs in and just kind of wraps an arm round Bates' neck, grabs his wrists, and they go, ah, and slump to the floor. And that's the climax. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I was just a bit, huh. That's it. Yeah, but I suspect it's probably in a time of. Well, basically, Hitchcock was contracted to a 90 minute movie. Really? Because this movie's 103 minutes. Well. I think that's with like the extra credits and all that kind of stuff. But that 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 no, no, there are no extra credits. Really? No, no, no. Everything, all the credits take place in the Saul Bass title sequence at the beginning. Okay. Well, however long it is, I, yeah. I've always read it as ninety minutes. Okay. Maybe maybe that's just what people say. Because I cause checked. I pre- when I press play, I press the info button on right. my uh, on my remote. Maybe, maybe it's not accounting for things like logos and stuff like that. I don't. I don't know. think there are any logos. There's a Paramount logo. At the front. Oh wow! A thirteen-minute Paramount logo. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, I don't know, but basically he was contracted to an X amount of time, whatever it may be. Um, hmm. So he ha- he obviously wanted to fit everything into that perfectly, and because of the nature of the movie, you kind of had that weird exposition scene at the end. Yeah. Um, which I think in a modern movie you wouldn't necessarily need. No, then- I know they had there was a fight over the word transvestite. Yeah, there the was. The scriptwriter yeah. had to prove that it was to the ratings board that it was a a, a proper psychological term. term. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and, and they al- thought he was just trying to get a rude word past. Yeah, them. and also that that it it you know like the the guy says you know a transvestite is a man who dresses a, mm. as a woman you know he's different and it's he doesn't yeah. you don't have to two thousand twelve you don't have to explain that kind no, of thing exactly yeah because you know people understand what schizophrenia and split yeah. personality disorder and all that kind of art because mm. it's a lot more pop culture around it i guess yeah um so i kind of see that that it's almost at the expense of a big climax Mm. because that scene has to go there yeah and you don't you can't have that scene anywhere else in the movie because it will completely give away what's gonna reveal yeah um yeah one thing i did wish what that the guy plays the psychologist at the Mm. end i was sitting there thinking i know that man's face i Mm. can't think what he's in and um and I was just like, he looks like, he really looks like someone. And I, I just couldn't picture what movie he was in. And I thought, I know it's one movie that I absolutely love. And he's in it, and I can't think what it was. Mm. Turned out he was in Bullet, and he was in the, he was the, the he's Steve McQueen's boss. Oh. And I was just like, really? And, and then I couldn't work out why, because he doesn't look the same in either mm. movie. So I was just a bit like, oh, that's Well, it's the same there. with the woman who was in uh, yeah, yeah. Black Snake Moan and Terminator 2, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, what else? There's got to be something else. I think you said last week. Sorry, that Hitchcock said it had to be a comedy. Yeah, there are laughs there. Oh, absolutely. I love yeah. the bit where uh, uh, Perkins is trying to, uh, sorry, Bates is trying to sink the car in the swamp. Yeah, and it gets like two thirds of the way in and stops. Yeah, and that that made me burst out laughing. Yeah. And then his relief as it starts yeah. sinking again. Yeah, there are some really nice little moments in it, mm. um, like kind of comedy moments in mm. it. And I I think that Hitchcock's sense of humour was so dark mm. that just the fact that he thought he probably he was, did find it hilarious. Well, exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, the only other note I've got left is a bit of an abrupt ending. Because I looked sitting. away to write a note. Yeah. Uh, no, there's the sitting. I looked yeah. away to write a note, uh, and then it went bang to that last shot of the car being dragged out of the swamp. The end. Finished. Yeah. And the, the, there's no extra black on the DVD. It just goes bing straight back to the menu. I was like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Is this broken? Yeah. Yeah, I love that shot at the end where he's sitting there looking up through. Like, mm. You know, his head's tilted down. His yeah. eyes are looking up at the camera. Because he, ju- I mean, he just looks totally psychotic. Yeah. And I think that's become the template trademark look for yeah, any yeah. actor portraying a psychopath since. And some non-actors. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Overall, I like it. It's a like I said, it's a classic, and I'm glad I've seen it at last. Yeah. Like I said, it was just it's just a bit difficult watching it, knowing everything about it. Absolutely. And having kind of having your own picture of it in yeah. your head, but not. Ever seeing not it. Not yeah. having actually seen it. I, I was I was very lucky in the fact I really didn't know anything about it. Mm. Um, although, having said that, I did actually guess what was going to happen. Yeah. Having, you know, halfway through the movie, because there was a girl in my class who was um, pestering me and asking me what I thought was going to happen. Right. So I said, well, there's only like so many options. It could be like, he's, he's the murderer and that's it. Mm. His mum's the murderer. Or, and I joked... He dresses up as his mum and kills women, mm. and I, and I meant it as a like just to wind her up. And my my lecturer was sitting next like next to him behind mm. me, and I just saw him smile out of my corner of my eye, mm. and I was just like, oh, maybe I've just twigged what happens. It's like uh, when all my friends we all went to see the Sixth Sense when that came right. out, and um, <laughs> maybe uh, five minutes in, ten minutes in, one of them leant over to the one next to him and just went, Bruce Willis is dead. <laughs> hadn't seen it <laughs> they got outside and the guy who was told punched the first one in the <laughs> arm really hard he's like you absolute sod <laughs> brilliant um, I got some customer feedback okay. for Psycho I got two reviews oh. however they're both going out the window okay. and I'm not going to read them because do you remember the Frenchman from last week yeah, how can we forget guess who has watched Psycho <laughs> and posted his thoughts on the really? internet excellent <clears throat> so uh, I need to warm up the French accent again. Okay, I'm going to sit back, relax. Uh, du baguette, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. Et maintenant, le voyage à la supermarché. Okay, I shall try. Let's see how long I can keep the accent up this week. Okay. Let's see how long you can go without kicking the microphone. Yeah, sorry, good luck. This black and white film needs that black and white artistic elaboration to find its complete value. We are entering a progressive descent into some kind of hell, but we go down one step at a time without knowing there will be more steps after this one. This descent is represented in the film by the steps going up to the house behind the motel, then the steps going up and down from one level of the cabins to the next, then the staircase inside the house. <laughs> I'm going German. <laughs> they don't say the, they say the. Uh, going up to the rooms, but also going down to the fruit cellar. This image, which is 
I can't do it, which is a metaphor of the mind when it is swallowed up by insanity is essential and cannot be in colour because an insane mind is a whole set of hues and shades of grey. But Hitchcock, in this case, constructs the plot itself that way. Sexual temptation for the boyfriend. Two words, boyfriend. Then mutual and reciprocal financial temptation for the money and the girl. Then the run, the escape. And then one step at a time, the trail is getting hotter and hotter. The boss seeing her driving out of town. The cop finding her asleep in her car on the shoulder of a road. The cop following her and observing her swapping her car for another. The motel to escape the rain and get some rest. The sandwich and the milk. The discussion and the mental trap for her. The poor thief. And for him, the poor surviving son. And you go on and on. And he does go on and on. And that will lead you to the end. But with only one question in your mind. <laughs> he then poses at least four questions. How is it possible that such doom could... Tom's nearly spat lemon squash across the studio. How is it possible that such doom can fall upon someone? But who is that someone? The son, Norman Bates, a killer of his own mother and her lover who was left free to survive in society? The poor thief, Marion Crane, who was trusted with the untrustable. So much money that her jaws fell down. What? <laughs> there, there is in this film... I said jaws, not drawers, by the way. I know, I know. Yeah. There is in this film, maybe more than in most Hitchcock's films, yes, that's the grammar, the, the sense of some kind of doom or fate or destiny governed and controlled by some kind of insane authority. Hitchcock was showing then the god he never alluded to in this film that was governing this world must have not gone AWOL, as some may say, but insane, frankly schizophrenic. Right, coming up next is a run-on sentence. Right. I'll tell you when it ends. I might have to take breaths in between, but I'll see if I can get it out in one go. Okay. For this sinister world to make sense, you need to state that the monster... I'm going to start again because I screwed it up. <laughs> For this sinister world to make sense, you need to state that the mastermind of our cosmos is a double personality. Good old God on one side and good old Satan on the other side. And the fight between the two are not even close to the beginning of an end. And our lot will be like that tossed from the benevolent hand of God into the malevolent hand of Satan. And or vice versa as many times as these two will find some pleasure in doing so. Comma, take a breath. As long as we will not cut the branches and the roots of this divine and devilish schizophrenia that is finding its source in our very flesh and mind and that is outsourced by our spirit or brain to some autonomous, though totally virtual and absolute similar simulacrum, there's a word I've never come across before, <laughs> no. another comma, take a breath, of reality, an outsourcing movement that gives us the, the illusion of sanity paid for by that mental and spiritual, <laughs> spiritual alienation that the invention of those two supernatural beings represents for us. I'm not done. I have no idea what you just said. No, me neither. <laughs> I'm only two-thirds of the way in. Oh, God. Better be alienated in spirituality than divided in reality. That explains so well the fact that such lines of thinking and representing our own experiential life can, can lead to all kinds of possible bigotry and fundamentalism. As soon as we decide we are standing on the only side worth it, that is to say the size of, side of good, the side of God, the side of light, without understanding there are so many shades, change page sentence still ongoing. <laughs> of light and so many hues of shade <laughs> if we all stand one-sided and one-spirited and one-minded for what each one of us consider as pure light we are absolutely doomed to commit our daily genocide every day between our morning shower and our breakfast just as an appetizer for our day of labour and Hitchcock builds that fate upside down for poor Marion Crane the genocide of Norman Bates' mother happens between Marion Crane's evening snack and her before going to bed shower a shower she will never finish taking and that will be turned into a long bath in some muddy pond Get ready for the big finale. Okay. I have one paragraph left. Phew. 
The final and concluding image of the car containing the body and the money being pulled out of the pond is the wink Hitchcock addresses to us for us to go back in time and enjoy the film as a rotten, I don't know what that word is, of real life. <laughs> he even <laughs> imposes onto us a five-minute psychological ranting discourse from the local psychiatrist to convince us that, to convince us that all is normal since everything is upside down. But is it? Is it not the reverse? Everything is upside down since all is normal? Or is it everything is normal because all is upside down? Or whatever. <laughs> Add a touch of colour to that film and you will produce a meaningless mess. Black, white and grey become death so well, just like morning becomes Electra. Right. Okay. I look more to, forward to more uh, crazy ranting from the Frenchman. Yeah. Jeez. That I can't... I'm out of breath. Wow. Are you expecting me to pitch or can you do yours? Because I'm knackered. <laughs> um... Yeah, I guess I could do mine now. Okay. Then, uh, sir, please, go on. Well, it's my turn to read aloud now, which yes, I'm not very is. good at, which is why you normally do it. Oh. Um, okay, so we've had an email from Jacob Roberts, and he's actually written in to pitch us two movies. Mm -hmm. So I shall read the email. Hey, Tom and Kieran, really enjoy the show each week. Well, that's a good start. Absolutely. Uh, it has led me to watch several films that I never would have and found myself being captivated by Casablanca and horrified by Conspiracy, which I th personally I think is the right reaction to both of those Yes, films. if it's the opposite reaction, <laughs> then there's something wrong. Yeah, uh, and there's a Frenchman you should go and see. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought I'd pitch you a couple of films and hopefully one or both of you haven't seen. Uh, I've, kept, um, I've kept the descriptions fairly short as not to spoil the films for you. Okay. Okay, now... This is interesting. Jacob seems to be on the same kind of uh, lines as us. Okay. Because he's pitched us two films, mm. one of which we've both seen and we both like. Mm -hmm. And the other one I have seen and was on my list to pitch you. Oh. So what we're going to do, the film that he that he's pitched and we've both seen and we both like is a Steven Soderbergh movie called uh, Out of Sight. Oh, yeah. Um, so what I propose we do to that is uh, we park it for now and we come back to Jacob's email uh, when we want to do a pitch to the people. Yes, that's a good idea. And then we both elaborate on that. Yeah, email. I saw it on my DVD shelf the other day and thought, I haven't watched that in ages. Yeah. I want to watch it again. So maybe think, we'll do that in a couple of weeks maybe. Yeah, no, that'd be good because I think I watched it probably about a year ago and mm. still really enjoyed it. Mm. So um, so it was a good call it's and we will revisit it. the Jennifer Lopez movie ever made. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Now the second film... Mm -hmm. that he suggested we watch is a Cameron Crowe movie called Almost Famous. Uh -huh. I've heard of it, but I've never had any inclination to watch it, and I don't know why. Okay. Um, Persuade me, Jacob and Tom. Persuade me. Okay. Now, what I'll do is I'll read out uh, Jacob's email uh, about Almost Famous, mm -hmm. but I'm not actually going to pitch you Almost Famous, but I shall read the email first. And then <sighs> why we'll... do you make things difficult? And then, we'll... then I'll explain more. Okay. Uh, okay. So Jacob says, the second film I'm going to pitch you is director Cameron Crome's Cameron Cameron Crome's. <laughs> I don't know who that <laughs> I don't is. Know that is I, was, I was looking forward to a Cameron Crowe film. Uh, this is why I don't read aloud. Okay. Uh, is director Ca Cameron Crowe's third film. It follows teenager William Miller, played by Patrick Fugit, as he follows rock band Stillwater around on tour. He has been hired by Rolling Stone magazine to write a story on the band, but struggles to keep his journalistic integrity and not to become just friends with the band. During his assignment, he meets the famous Band-Aid, uh, for that read groupie, uh, uh -huh. Penny Lane, played by Kate Hudson, who teaches him about the other life led by rock stars and those that follow them. The film is semi-based on Crowe's own experiences as a teenage rock journalist, where he was on tour with bands such as Led Zeppelin, 
the Allman Brothers, and Leonard Skinner. Well, that's a... Uh, you can imagine what that would have been like. Yeah. Um, that's quite some formative years, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the film has several great performances, in particular from a young Kate Hudson, who, along with Frances McDormand, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress Oscars at the Academy Awards. Uh, the soundtrack is also spot on for the time period of the early 70s. Simon and Garfunkel, The Who, and a fantastic scene featuring Elton John's Tiny Dancer are all highlights. Hold me closer, Tony Dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Why I really love this film is the warmth which surrounds the film and the charm that Cam uh, Cameron Crowe gives the characters. I've heard people say that many of Crowe's later films uh, are too schmaltzy, but Almost Famous has the perfect amount of heart. Like most of my favourite films, it has parts that are funny and parts that are uh, more difficult to watch. Uh, I've never been in a successful rock band, but I, I, I th I've never been in a successful successful. God, I can't keep going. I've never been in a successful rock band, but this is what I like. I'd like to think it was like. Uh, hope you get guys get around to watching either or both, and keep up the good work. Okay. So. I said I wasn't going to pitch you Almost Famous. Okay. It's kind of true, kind of right. not true. What I'm going to pitch you is a film called Untitled, right. which is effectively the director's cut of Almost Famous. And I believe it was to be the original title of the film. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, it wasn't the original title of the film because the studio didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so this version is a bit longer and a bit more... Um, Basically, it's closer to Cameron Crowe's vision of what the film should be. And given that this is semi-autobiographical, mm. I think that's probably the best version you can see. Okay. Um, the script was 172 pages long. Uh, and he sent it to Steven Spielberg. And the note that came back was, direct every word. Okay. Um, it's got a great cast. Uh, Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, Kate Hudson... Jason Lee, Patrick Fugit in the lead, um, Zoe Deschanel doing her usual wide-eyed kookiness, mm -hmm. um, which I find personally quite irritating, but she's bearable in this. Um, Anna Paquin, Fruza Bulk, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I have heard of all of those people. Yeah. Apart uh, from Patrick Fugit. Yeah, well, he was kind of a young teenager, yeah. so he hadn't really done anything else. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays this kind of weathered kind of DJ called Lester Bangs and um, his part was cut down quite a bit because he could only make four dates mm -hmm. on the film all of which he had the raging flu oh nice yeah um, so he, he, he he's one of the more memorable performances I think because mm -hmm. he's you know because he's, he's high as a kite on on, uh, <laughs> well, on no, 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 because of that because he's kind of like throughout the film he's kind of almost like this this character that uh, the the boy William looks up to, mm. uh, and when you finally see him, he's kind of like you know grizzled and mm. a bit kind of yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, it's basically a coming of age story based mm. around Cameron Crowe's experiences on on tour, mm -hmm. uh, which, like we said, must have been eye opening to say the yes. least. Yes. Um, the music is spot on. The band themselves, which are uh, Jason Lee as the front man and Billy Crudup as the guitar player. Mm. Um, Billy Crudup was taught by Peter Frampton to play the guitar okay. so that all the concert stuff looked Yeah, proper. authentic. Yeah. yeah. Um, although they're not credited, uh, the, the, all the songs that the band perform are credited to the band. Mm. Uh, but they were actually written by Peter Frampton, Cameron Crowe and Nancy Wilson from Heart. Okay. So you get the kind of idea what sort of, yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. be that kind of driving rock mm. and that kind of stuff, which you know I love. So. Yeah. Um, 
but Mike McCready from Pearl Jam actually played the guitar tracks on all the mm-hmm. songs. So there's a, there's a really good musical pedigree behind it as well. Mm. Which you have to. Well, if you're doing a film like this, I get you have to. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's one of those things that um, when, you, when you are doing a movie like this, unless you've got that, it'll just, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, you've yeah. got to have that, you know. Like Jacob refers to in his, his email, um, there are some scenes in it which are really quite depressing mm. when you see how these people are treated and you know and it really shows the anti side of being a rock star so you yeah. get to see all the fame and the glory but mm. you also get to see the really dark side of it you know um so it's it's an interesting movie um and it does leave you thinking i wonder which bits were real and which bits mm. weren't um like all the best based on fact yeah yeah, there's one scene which I know was real. Mm-hmm. No, actually happened, but I won't tell you what we'll it is until you've week. seen it. Yeah. Um, there was also a deleted scene that is on the DVD, mm. um, which, if it had gone into the film, would have been quite interesting. Okay. And it's just a mid shot of Francis McDormand. Okay. And it's about seven minutes long. Okay. And that's that shot is seven minutes long. And. The reason it's not in the film is because she's supposed to be listening to a song because mm. uh, obviously she's quite a kind of a reserved mother mm. of, of the boy and she doesn't, she, she's not keen on him being in this arena and, and mm. going and seeing these places. So he persuade, tries to persuade her that not all rock music is evil by playing her one song. Mm-hmm. And it, you basically watch her face as she listens to this song and it's Stairway to Heaven. Okay. And it would have been played in its entirety, but they weren't allowed to do it. Which is a real shame. Mm. But on the DVD, they've got the shot, but they still weren't allowed to put the music on there. <laughs> so it says at the beginning, set, set your set your CD up now, hit play, and, and then it all syncs up. I might do that. Yeah. Um, Someone will have to have done it on YouTube, I'm sure. Oh, probably, yeah. Risking the wrath of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, absolutely. They're notoriously strict on mm. stuff. Um, but no, you'll you'll see loads of little nods to rock music and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. There's loads of nice little in jokes and kind cool. of bits and pieces. But it's a it's a good kind of drama, really. So Marvelous. hopefully you'll enjoy it, and uh, you can tell myself and Jacob what you thought of it next week. And hopefully more than just you and Jacob listen, because I'm a bit worried if we're going to get two downloads a week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, should we stumble onwards? Yes, absolutely. I had. A completely different film to pitch you this week. Right. And I sat down and I pressed play. Yeah. And my DVD was broken. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. So I need to go out and buy a new copy. Oh. And then it will be pitched later on down the road. Okay. And I was like, this was last night. Yeah. And I was like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Well, after the day through. you had yesterday. Oh, yeah. I imagine this is the perfect yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, I've got one shot. I have to watch something. Yeah. And I have to be able to pitch it. Yeah. Um. So, I I went with something I'd never seen before. Well, that's risky. I know, and I thought well, I've got to pitch it. Right. Especially because you saw Avengers recently, didn't you? Yeah. And you're possibly the only person in the world who didn't like it. No, my wife didn't like it either. No. Oh well, two of you. Yeah. Um. Well, I found you another Marvel superhero team film. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic Four. Right. Not the one you're thinking of. Right. I've got the Roger Corman really? Fantastic Four movie for you. Amazing. Yeah. I wanted to see this for so long. Well, I've since found out that um, 
it's available in much better quality than I have it just on YouTube. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link up on the blog. Right. Uh, and I'd like people to play along. I want uh, anybody who's got 90 minutes to watch this uh, 1.5 million dollar production of the Fantastic Four. Is it is it is it in one entire thing? Yeah, in one entire really? file. Oh, fantastic! Uh, and the best quality one I think has got the trailer on the beginning as well. Right. Cool. Um, I didn't. I don't have a plot synopsis, right? Because it's just it's the origin of the Fantastic Four. Okay. That's really all you need to know. Fine. Um, how superheroes are made. Yeah. Uh, the story behind it is more interesting. Yeah, I think I know the story behind it. I, oh, at least I've heard a version of it. Yeah. So I'd be interested to. Okay. Well, you'd clarify. Uh, in 1992, there's a company called Constantine Film, yeah. and they had the rights to make a Fantastic Four movie, mm-hmm. but the option was going to run out on December the 31st, 1992. Right. Uh, so the uh, I don't remember his name. What's the guy's name? Oh, Bernd Eichinger. Right. Bernd Eichinger uh, uh, went to Roger Corman and went, "I need forty million dollars to make this movie. There's no way I can. You're the king of low budget. What can you do?" Right. So they stripped stuff back and rebudgeted it and came out with a one point four million dollar budget. Yeah. The, with the rights running out on December the thirty first. On December the 28th, they pressed go and shot the first shot of Fantastic Four. Hang on. So three days before so they I, had I, to start principal photography by ha- the end of okay, the year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, so not a finished movie by that point. No. Like principal but, photography yeah. had to start rolling. Yeah. Okay, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, so that's cutting it fine. It certainly is. Uh, they shot for 25 days. Right. Um, uh, the cast uh, were all told it's going to get released um, I should point out this movie has never been officially released. Right, I okay. heard I have heard tell of it being released in Italy yeah. for a week to fulfil a contractual obligation that it had to be released in somewhere. a cinema somewhere. somewhere right. Um, but it's been like a gem of the bootleg circuit for yeah. years and years and years. Uh, at its peak, it would change hands for thousands of dollars. Wow. Um, I mean, it's the stuff of legend. You and hear even about it's it all the time. on YouTube now, you can still find places that will charge you a hundred bucks for a DVD. Wow. Of a bootleg. Yeah, a, a bootleg transfer of a four by three videotape. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they they told the um, they told all the the cast to try to convince them to take low fees because mm. if it didn't uh, wasn't as successful as a movie, they could try and push it as a pilot for a TV show. Right. Well, that didn't happen either. No. Um, well, I mean, were these were these kind of were these things said with the intention of doing them, or were they just? I like, don't know. History's kind of fuzzy, and all the research I've done is kind of fuzzy on that. Because uh, the impression I've always got was it was just like we need to just have a film that we can say we've done, and they were literally just going to shoot something, put yeah. it on a shelf, and never show it to anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you will be watching a contractual obligation. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I can't. What can I say? What can I say about this film? Um... They announced a premiere right. uh, for 1994. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of 1993, they uh, they announced that it wouldn't be released. Right. Uh, supposedly over... Uh, now, a version I heard was that somebody from Marvel got in contact and went, we cannot have you putting out a film this low budget with our characters in it. Right. That's Which interesting. may be why it was snuck into Italy for a week to yeah. just to fulfill a that. different part of the contract yeah. and then just shelved. Yeah. Um, it looks every inch of its $1.4 million. Really? Let's just say that. Okay. I'll leave you to decide what's worse, the special effects or the music. Right. Um, it's, I don't, uh, I've got all these notes, but we should really only cover them next week. Okay, that's fine. Because it's mostly me ripping it out of this movie. Okay. Two, th- two things. <laughs> um, 
there's a, there's there's a whole setup, and then it shifts ten years later. Okay. In that ten years, Reed Richards, mm-hmm. Mr. Fantastic, who eventually be Mr. Fantastic, mm-hmm. somehow kind of goes between looking thirty nine to looking forty two. Right. In ten years. And Susan Storm somehow goes from being nine years old to being about 30. Right. Brilliant. It's quite amazing. Um, and the other thing, actually, the, the possibly the one thing that impressed me about this film, yeah. the guy in the Thing costume yeah. is a really good costume actor. Okay. He's trying his hardest. He's yeah. not... Uh, uh, the guy who plays Ben Grimm... Yeah. human version and the guy who plays the thing are not the same person gotcha right um i think the guy in the thing costume is doing a really good job and it's okay. probably the best acting performance in this film okay um yeah we'll cover all this we'll cover all this okay. next week Perfect. um but uh yeah this is this is our first uh officially unreleased movie on the show amazing that's so cool are we done i think so there, oh there was one thing i was going to mention Uh-oh. uh i believe he hasn't run this through the committee no, but I believe you. I think you'll like it. Film four this week mm-hmm. are showing a town called Panic. Okay. Um. So I need to find out when it's on, and I'll tweet it or stick it yeah. on Facebook yeah, or something we'll like that. Yeah, we'll put a note up somewhere. That is that is one of the films that people should watch just because it's so silly. It's, yeah, bat turd crazy. Yeah, you, you will have never seen anything like it. It's well worth watching, and it's and it's like what was it seventy minutes? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, yeah. It messes with your mind, but not for long. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'd love to hear more... Uh, Javel! Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear more uh, listeners' reactions to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's all I had, really. Tremendous. Uh, for the umpteenth week in a row, uh, I don't okay. have the plug sheet. All right. So, I'll so do it to the dulcet tones of Mr. Webb for the plug sheet. Okay. Try if I can find a ukulele. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so you can follow us on Twitter at HYS Podcast. Uh, you can go onto the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash have you seen podcast. Uh, the blog itself, um, we, we sometimes do the link dumps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I um, meant to do one, but with the double bank holiday yeah, and yeah. the short work week, I have not had time. Uh, I should, cool. over the weekend... Get, get a chance to kind okay, of update cool. it properly and I'm mm. intending to buy a domain name so next Ooh. week we should have an official domain name oh perfect excellent anyway when you go alright well for now it's uh, bit.ly forward slash hys podcast uh, and if you'd like to send us a pitch or a review of anything um, I have to say we've really enjoyed the pitches people have sent yeah um, so we'd love to get more uh, just send them in and you know it's one of those things if we've both seen it and we like it we'll do a pitch to the people if one of us has seen it we can use it uh, to yeah, bolster well, an the, argument the to the other we've had on the show yeah. it's worked out pretty well because we've had one neither of us had seen yeah. one that one of us had seen and was going to pitch anyway yeah, uh, and one and, that both and have seen and like seen and like yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so someone just needs to find one we've both seen we didn't like yeah, <laughs> and then we've we got go. the whole set yeah there we go um, yeah so please do uh, send us uh, pitches or anything pitches, reviews brilliant uh, and you can do that to hyspodcast at gmail.com yes uh, one final thing if you are if you Receive this via the medium of iTunes and you like us, which I presume you do if you keep downloading the show. Uh, please take a couple of seconds out of your day to go and uh, give us a rating and a review on iTunes because that yeah, helps I mean, our standing and helps our visibility within iTunes. So yeah. then more people will find the show and yeah. uh, ad infinitum. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Your cooperation <laughs> is appreciated. Excellent. Go back to your daily lives. <laughs>
Um, Thanks. Also, yeah, of course, because we keep forgetting this, yeah. uh, to Upbeat Studios. No, Upbeat Productions. For, <laughs> yeah, Upbeat up. Studios for the use of their production. Yeah. Upbeat Productions for the use of their studio. Uh, it's cosy and it sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, it smells a bit funny. Yeah. Uh, and to Alexia Mom, who also smells a bit funny, uh, but he does <laughs> lots of creative technical guru stuff and uh, we like him lots and we owe him... Lots of lemonade because he doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah, we do. I think I think the it smells a bit funny. He might incur the wrath of the beard. Yeah, yeah he'll come yeah, storming yeah. into our, our office. Yeah, I'll, uh, next week this podcast will be presented by Tom, <laughs> yeah. the host of Kieran, who's yeah. been strangled by Alexi's beard. Yeah. Right, let's get out of here. This is getting silly. All right. What was that? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>